All right. Uh, we are getting towards the end of uh, Bible basics. And so today we are going to look at actually two doctrines. So I'm tackling two doctrines at once. So you get two for the price of one this Sunday. Isn't that a great thing? All right. So here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to start. Uh, which way is a better way to live? If you're thinking about a way to live, which way is better? Which way is healthier? I'm going to give you two options. I'm going to give you two ways to live. Way number one, and I want to go back. Some of you haven't heard this before. Some of you have, uh, but I went to the University of Massachusetts. We affectionately called ZooMass. Uh, in the center of the campus, it's a massive campus, huge. In one center of uh, dorms, there are five 26-story dorms. It used to be the most populated per square foot place in the United States. I think the University of Michigan put up some others that eclipsed it. But if you... In the winter months, it sits in a valley called Pioneer Valley, and so the wind comes whipping down there. In fact, they closed the school during January because it's so cold. Only a few people would stick around for what's called J-term. Uh, you could go through the towers when the wind is blowing, and kids would do this. They would get between two 26-story towers while the wind is blowing and lean into it and try to get themselves to fly. That's how powerful the wind would be. Now, in the center of campus, there's this massive pond. If you had classes on the other side of campus, if you went across the pond during the winter with the ice, you would cut 20 minutes out of being exposed to that kind of wind and that kind of cold. So remember, we're trying to figure out what are the two healthier ways to live? Which one is better? So let's say we come to that pond and it's iced over. You're going to class with me. And I'm like, man, let's cut across this pond, and we're freezing, already frozen. And we're all full of confidence, uh, full of assurity, uh, full of courage, full of certainty. And we walk across the ice and fall through. And, you know, not other than the miserableness of that, right? You know, maybe some of you got hypothermia, you lose a finger or a toe, no big deal. That's way number one. What about way number two now? Is this healthier? Is this a better way to live? Let's say months later we come back to the pond uh, and we face this frozen tundra to go across. No one has any comfort about the ice. Nobody has any confidence about the ice. Nobody has any courage about the ice. Absolutely, all of us are uncertain about the ice, <laughs> but we walk across it. It holds us. We literally limp across to the other side of the pond and make it. So I'm asking you this morning, the Bible is asking you this morning, our doctrines are asking you this morning, which is a better way to live? Full of confidence, full of assurance, full of comfort, full of assurity, but you fall through the ice? Or is the better way to live to have no confidence, no comfort, no assurance? You limp through life, but you get across it. Which is a better way to live? Our two doctrines this morning say neither of them. They're both broken ways. Is it possible to have both? 
Is it possible to have massively thick ice and absolute life-giving courage, comfort, confidence, certainty? Today's doctrines say yes. The doctrine of perseverance, perseverance of the saints, is the massively thick ice. The doctrine of assurance, the assurance of salvation, is this sense in the deepness of the darkest regions of your life, certainty, comfort, confidence, courage. These doctrines say you can have both of them. Please stand for the hearing of God's word. Here's the question for the first text we're going to look at. Ask this text, how do you persevere? How does this text answer? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Now this next text is kind of spooky. You want to ask this text, what is going on with you? On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Next passage. You need to ask yourself of this text. How does Peter persevere? Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Confidence. Jesus said, I'll tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Lord, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you give us ears to hear with the reality of the resurrection, Jesus, with those powers that were exerted and have now entered the world because of you break in upon us now? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so some of, the, some of us this morning are certain Certain, you're absolutely certain you're not a Christian. And it's not a big secret, right? You know it, uh, those around you know it, and you have your reasons. It is a settled truth for you. So you are certain. The issue for you is this, is, is the ice under your feet Thick enough to hold you. How thick is the ice under your feet? Person number two, others of us are also certain. You are absolutely certain that you're a Christian. But here's the catch you're not. 
I mean, this is pretty spooky, right? This is what seems to be happening in that Matthew passage. On the day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we, did we not prophesy? You know what that means? I mean, prophecy seems to put it in this weird category, but in the Old Testament, it meant preach. So many, many will say, did I not preach? Did I not cast out demons? Did I not do wonderful works in your name? So, Person number two, you are certain, but here's the issue. But the ice under your feet is not thick enough. You just don't know it yet. Person number three, others of us this morning are uncertain. You have, no to, you have little to no comfort in your life. You have little to no confidence in your life. You have little to no courage in your life. You have little to no certainty in your life, but... Here's the catch. You are a Christian. So the ice under your feet is massively thick. The issue is you just don't know it yet. You don't experience it yet. The doctrines of perseverance and assurance give you both. They give you the massively thick ice, and they give you the certainty of it. So let's go back. Let's go back to the pond. There's an absolute other way to live. Let's say the ice, again, is massively thick. You have little to no certainty, little to no comfort, courage, hope, strength, energy, assurance, the Bible would say. So the question is, how are you going to get assurance? How are you going to get certainty? How are you going to get comfort? How are you going to get courage? How are you going to get confidence? And the answer is, one of us, thankfully, had an ice pick in their bag. And we pull it out of the bag, and we start taking this ice pick and start chipping away at the ice. One foot of ice. Two feet of ice, three feet, four feet, five feet of ice, one foot of water. And what is happening to our assurance, our comfort, our confidence, our courage, our certainty as we start seeing how thick the ice is. It grows, right? So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to get out our ice picks, and we're going to chip away at the ice. And we're going to see how massively thick it is so that you start feeling in the roots of your being comfort, Confidence, courage, certainty. Are you ready? Grab your ice pick. Here we go. Number one, let's start with person number one. I am certain I'm not a Christian. So you have assurance, right? I'm not a Christian. Solid assurance, solid strength, confidence in life. And you're not a Christian. So the issue for you is how thick is the ice under your feet, right? That's the issue. In 1999, Ice Cube, 
Do I need to explain who he is to you? All right. Yes? Okay. He's an uber. Well, I guess he's not. Uber famous rapper. He was more in my day probably than your day. Kanye's more in your day. But Ice Cube, he had this inspiring line in a song of his. He says, you can do it, put your back into it. You can do it, put your back into it. You can do it, put your back into it. Without God, this line is all you got. You can do it, put your back into it. Without God, this line is all you got until you don't. Until you blow out your back. Until you can't deal with your faults and your flaws and your failures and your sins and your guilt in life. Until you can't figure out and fix what's wrong with you. Until you can't repair the relationships in your life. Until putting your back into it and whatever you're doing actually makes whatever you're doing worse. Without God, it's all you got until you don't. The doctrine of perseverance says to person number one, the one that's very sure, if that's us this morning, very sure, yeah, I'm not a Christian. I have my reasons, dude. I got it. I would love to have that conversation with you about those reasons. Seriously. You pay, though. That's the only rule that we have in this church is that y'all pay. Jude 24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, glory, majesty, dominion, authority. So I want you, if you don't, take that text, either in the Bible, on your your electronic device, because we're going to look at it here. The doctrine of perseverance says in that text, you can't, but God can. Do you see this? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you before himself, blameless, with great joy, that the doctrine of perseverance says to you, you can't, but he can. You're not able, but he's able. So you can't deal with your faults. You can't deal with your flaws. You can't deal with your failures. You can't deal with your sins and your guilt on your own. The text says, this doctrine of perseverance of the saints says, but he can. But God can. You can't, but he can. How the doctrine of perseverance answers, we're all asking, well, how does it do this? How does he do this? And the doctrine of perseverance says, because Jesus makes you blameless. Do you see the connection in this text? It's incredible. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling, that is a present perseverance. That is a present comfort. That is a present courage. That is a present confidence. That's a present certitude. But notice how it's connected to blameless and conjunction, coordinating conjunction, two equal ideas inseparably connected to each other. Present perseverance is connected to being blameless. Phenomenal. <laughs> so how, do you, how does Jesus make you a blameless person that actually gives you massive thick ice under your feet? Well, here's what we need to realize, first of all, because some of us might not be convinced that that's what we're all about. In other words, most of us, all of us, everyone, spends their life trying to be blameless. 
We're all trying to live a blameless life. Every single one of us in this room right now are trying to live a blameless life. What's the first thing you do when you're blamed? She did it. That's exactly what happened in the very beginning. Well, you see, there was this earthquake in Ecuador, and it had this massive tremor that went through the center of the earth, and it eventually reached the ball field, and the ground under my feet shook, and so when the pitcher threw the ball, I struck out, Dad. That's how it happened. Well, what about those 50 extra pounds that you're packing? What do we do when we're blamed? We blame shift, we lie, we play the victim, we defend ourselves, we get depressed, and we pay back blame or accusation. One theologian reflects on the need to be blameless this way. All our lives, we have been receiving evaluations of our behavior and of ourselves. Evaluations. Parents, teachers, coaches, spouses, and friends give us good or bad grades, tag us with likes or dislikes, pepper us with good and bad verdicts on our looks, our intelligence, our politics, our character. We love the good appraisals, but they can never overcome the wounds that the negative ones inflict. We believe the criticisms far more readily and remember them far more vividly than the praise. Because we need to be blameless. And we walk into situations, we walk into rooms, we walk into classrooms, we sit next to people, and what's running through our subconscious thoughts and minds is the need to be blameless. The Westminster Confession of Faith begins its explanation of the doctrine of perseverance this way. It says, they whom God has accepted. If Jude was here, he'd say, oh, you mean they whom God has made blameless? Same thing. They whom God has accepted. We're going to insert Jude's words. They whom God has made blameless in his beloved, they shall certainly persevere to the end. So what is the persevering power? What's the present persevering power of perseverance in your life? Being a blameless person, according to Jude. Being a blameless person is this massively thick ice that just releases and unleashes certainty upon you courage upon you, comfort upon you, persevering power upon you. So why do Christians persevere to the end according to this passage? Because they finally have found what they've been looking for their whole life. When you finally find what you've been looking for your whole life, I'm a blameless person. You are the most comforted, the most confident, the most courageous, the most certain person on the planet. The cross is so effective at taking away blame that all the cross leaves behind is a blameless person. You can't, but he can. He 
can make you a blameless person. If you're not a Christian, you can have all the certainty and comfort and courage and confidence in the world, but you don't because your ice isn't thick enough. You can't, but he can, says the doctrine of perseverance. He can make you blameless. Get out your ice pick. Let's chip away. We're going down another foot. Let's continue with person number two. So I am certain I'm a Christian, right? Absolute assert, absolute certainty, absolute assurance, absolute confidence. But the catch is, according to the Bible, you're not. So the issue here is twofold. The ice under your feet is not thick enough, and you just don't know it yet. Twofold. First, the ice under your feet isn't thick enough. Second, you just don't know it yet. And so here's the great comforting news. You can know it. And move on to the massively thick ice. So listen again to Jesus' spooky words. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That day, what is that day? That day is the day of judgment. What's fascinating, almost every religion has that day. It's almost like embedded into the human being, the human psyche, the human culture, the human civilization, Human psychology, human anthropology is this need to be blameless because we all know there's a day. In other words, there's some ultimate verdict out there that we're all searching for. Can I have the verdict, please? Can I have the good verdict? Blameless. So on that day, this day of blame for some, the folks Jesus is talking to, but blamelessness for others, the people that Jude is talking to. Now to him who is blameless, right? before the presence of his glory on that day, same day as this day that Jesus is talking to these folks. So what makes that day a day of blame? The people that Jesus is talking to, what makes that day a day of blame for them? Well, the answer is found in what they're saying. Did you hear it? Listen, Lord, Lord, did we not preach in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? Lord, Lord, look what we did. Lord, Lord, look at our spiritual performance. Lord, Lord, look at my works. Now, don't miss this. These are phenomenally good works. Preaching. Is casting out a demon a good work? Yeah. Is mighty works in your name incredible works, incredibly good stuff? Yeah, we could add all kinds of things to this, couldn't we? We could add in our day that's a little more tangible, you know, because not everyone preaches, not everyone casts out demons today. I mean, have you done that before 5 o'clock this morning already? We could add things just like going to church, being a leader in church, doing social justice. We can do things like uh, giving, being generous. We can do things like listening to annoying people. We could add things like um, doing missions doing community, doing discipleship works, going to the gospel art class, 
That's the only good one that'll get you there. But what's wrong with the what I do approach to life? Think about it. What's wrong with the what I do approach to God? What's wrong with the what I do approach to your relationships? What's wrong with the what I do approach to your suffering? What's wrong with the what I approach? What's wrong with it? Before God, before others, before yourself. What's wrong with the what I do approach in your parenting? What's wrong with it? The answer is what I do is never done. What you do, if you build a life around what you do, it's never done. If you build a life with God around what you do, it's never done. If you build a life around a relationship, a marriage, a parenting with your child, and you build a relationship with sports, your gifts, your talents, and abilities around what you do, guess what? It's never done. Why? The text answers it for you. Do you see it? Because you must completely fulfill the law. To be enough, to be finished, to be righteous, to be done. Listen to why Jesus says, why? He says it, and then I will declare to them, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In other words, you unfulfillers of the law. You never finished it. It's never done. You didn't do it. You were never enough. You're not righteous. You're lawless. Building your life or a relationship with God or your relationship with money or your relationship with anything around what you do is never enough because it's never finished. It's never done. The ice under your feet just isn't thick enough. If this is you, if you're person number two, you... I am a Christian, you're absolutely certain, but the catch is you're not a Christian because you're building your life around what you do. Listen to the doctrine of perseverance. It says to you, you can't, but he can. You can't, but he can. I mean, it's subtle. Did you see it? The answer's in the text. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Do you see it? I never knew you. I never knew you. There it is. I never knew you. Apart from Jesus, it's never done. In Jesus, it's done. Apart from Jesus, it's never finished. In Jesus, it is finished. It's done. You fulfill the law completely. So if you, are, if you think you're a Christian, but you're not, what that means is The ice under your feet is not thick enough because the ice under your feet is what you do. But when you're in him, it's what he did. It's finished. It's done. It's thick. All right, next. Well, this is, yeah, we're gonna move on. All right, last one. Let's end with person number three. Can we do that? All right, this is the little, I am uncertain. This is the uncertain person. I am uncertain. There's little to no comfort. There's little to no confidence. There's little to no courage. There's little to no certainty. But the catch is, you are a Christian. That's the catch, right? So the issue here, again, is twofold. The ice under your feet is massively thick, 
number one. Number two, you just don't know it yet. And so the way to get to know it is to chip away at the ice and gain comfort, gain confidence, gain certainty, right? So does Peter have certainty? Does he have assurance? Does he have the doctrine of assurance? It seems like he does. Look at it. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you denied me three times. All right, so... So I wrestled this guy in high school. Uh, it was a really interesting dude. Uh, he's, we got, what happens, I don't know if you all know this, but in wrestling tournaments, uh, before the match, before the bouts, before you grapple, you have to have these weigh-ins. And those are always interesting things. You walk into the locker room and then there's this scale that sits in the center of the locker room. Two teams line up. You have an official standing behind the scale. Two teams here. Dude, number one, steps on it. It's set to your weight. Okay, next dude, and it goes down through the whole thing. So this dude that I'm about ready to wrestle is staring me down in the locker room when you're wearing probably nothing so that you make weight. We go up to the introductions, and the teams line up in the mat. It's a packed gym, and you go out and you shake the hand of your opponent in the introductions. They say your name. They say your weight class. You sink your opponent's hand, and then everybody goes back. I go out, and I hand him my hand, and he slaps it. I okay. We go down. He's team's over there. Now, uh, I'm in in the heavier weight, so there's like six bouts that come before me. So that's probably about an hour of wrestling. He's jumping rope, looking at me, stretching, staring at me. And then this was the best. Well, after this, he's talking to his coach, pointing at me. And then the best, the best was, He did these upside-down push-ups, which were incredibly impressive. He put his feet up, and he started doing upside-down push-ups. In the middle of the upside-down push-ups, though, he's facing this, and he's looking at me. (laughs) He never took his eyes off me for an hour. Everyone, I mean everyone in the gym, feels it. Everyone in the gym is watching it. Everyone in the gym is in awe of it. Wow, that dude is certain. So it was finally um, my time. And my brother's on the wrestling team. Did I mention that? He wrestled two weight classes before me. He saw the whole thing. Nobody didn't see the whole thing. I'm about ready to step on the mat, and he gets right in my face and bumps me in the forehead, and we're now looking in the eyes. And he says something to me that I can't repeat here. And I walked onto the mat. I reached out to shake his hand. 
he declines. And I just smile at him. It was over in 30 seconds. His hand was not the one raised. This massive way of trying to fill an uncertain hole in the soul causes us to overcompensate, be over-certain, overconfident, over-courageous, over-comforted. And at the bottom of that is the deepest uncertainty in the world. Both kinds of uncertainty, the ones that have little to no comfort, and then the uncertainty that comes from being over-certain. Both of those kinds have the same root. Do you know that? The root of, I can. The root of I can produces radical, radical insecurity. The root of I can produces radical, radical anxiety. The root of I can produces radical, radical sense of being out of control. The root of saying I can is incredibly destructive, incredibly harmful mentally, emotionally, personally. Just ask any athlete. The root of I can decimates relationships and parenting. The root of I can destroys cultures. The root of I can destroys institutions. The root of I can destroys the workplace destroys schools, destroys classrooms, destroys churches. The root of ICANN is the most uncertain place on the planet, the most insecure place on the planet, the most cowardice place on the planet. And so you have two ways to deal with it, or there are two expressions of it. There's those that feel little to none of it, and there's those that overcompensate. Do you see what you see what Peter is saying? Peter says, I can. Peter said to him, Lord, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Do you see what Jesus says to him? No, you can't. I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows this day, you'll deny me three times. So if you feel your uncertainty this morning, let's say you're the one that feels little to no comfort, confidence, courage, certainty. Listen to the doctrine of perseverance. You know what it says to you again? It's saying to you, you can't, but he can. Let that give you comfort, courage, confidence, certainty. Only people that get, I can't, but he can, are confident people, courageous people. The rest of us overcompensate or have none. Simon, Simon, Peter, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And don't miss this, and don't miss this, when you have turned again. Not if you turn again, Peter. When you do, you can't, but I can. Jesus prays for you. The Bible says he intercedes. 
That's incredible. Intercession, Jesus' intercession is amazing because you know what that means? That means that the resurrected, the risen one is presently with you. The risen one is presently active in your life right now. The risen one is presently persevering you through no matter what comes your way because you can't, he can't. So no matter what relationship devastates you, no matter what kind of sin you struggle with, no matter what's going on in the workplace, you can't, he can't. The risen one is presently persevering on behalf of you. He is presently interceding for you. He is presently praying for you. Last time I checked, every one of his prayers gets answered. Even the one at Gethsemane No, Jesus, I won't answer your prayer. So I'll answer all of theirs. If you're feeling your uncertainty this morning in your over-certainty, like you're really over-certain, you're the dude. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I'm that dude too. Come on, so are you. Just do it in other ways. I mean, I tell my, I'm not gonna tell you that stuff. We're gonna stop. Yeah, okay. Listen to the doctrine of perseverance. You can't, but he can. Jesus, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times. You know what has to happen sometimes for those of us that are in a state of uncertainty at times? You need to feel that you can't. Peter, I love you so much, dude. I'm gonna let you see reality. I'm gonna let you see You can't. And do you remember what, I mean, this is like, who is the first person that's on Jesus' mind when he tells the ladies? Who does he tell the ladies to go find? Peter. Because he knew Peter was devastated. You can't, Peter, so I'm going to let you feel it. I'm going to let you feel that you can't. And when you're at that place, I can't. I really can't. Jesus shows up. I know. I can't. 